Hillside Cemetery is one of the oldest final resting places in Montgomery County, dating back to the 1800s. The burial site is marked with many famous names, from governors and generals to celebrities and singers. Yet here, the wealthy, famous, and powerful become indistinguishable from the poor, the unknown, and the powerless. All alike are under the power of death. Not so for one tomb just outside the city of Jerusalem. We read in Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and become like dead men. Then Jesus said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Oh, there's many a cross and Christian symbol in Oakwood Cemetery. But if you're looking for Jesus, you won't find him in a place like this. He has gone on ahead, and you may need to hurry just to catch up. Good morning. Happy Easter. So good to see you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Also, I want to say if you're a guest, uh, we please, please, we hope that you feel welcome. And I also want to say hello to all of you who are watching online and on television this morning. For those of you in the room, would you please uh, help me make welcome our online television audience. If you're a guest with us, one of the things that we do every Sunday morning is that we pray for another local church in our area. Uh, we believe that the kingdom is so much bigger than just us here in this room. And so this morning, we want to pray for Dexter Avenue King Memorial Baptist Church and their pastor, Cromwell Handy. And so as we pray for ourselves and get started with the message, let's lift them up as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you in this moment, and we are so thankful because you are so good. Lord, we thank you for what this day means and what it represents to us, that we have new life, a resurrection life, because of your Son. And Lord, as we come this morning, we lift up Dexter Avenue, King Memorial Baptist Church. Lord, we pray that you would be with their members. Lord, would you watch over them and protect them, help them to continue to be a kingdom church. Lord, we pray for their pastor. We pray that you would inspire his mind, protect his family, and watch over him as he's navigating these difficult days. And Lord, now we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you speak to us once again? Would you open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, that we may receive what you have for us? We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you'd like to pull out your message notes, if you'd like to take notes, you can do that as we go through the message this morning. In Matthew 28, the text that was just read for us is this, this amazing picture of the resurrection of Christ, which is what our entire faith is built on. That on the third day, the tomb was empty. 
And I love how Matthew starts out Matthew 28 and Matthew 28 verse 1. He says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning. Notice that phrase, as the new day was dawning. If I believe anything about God, it is that we serve a God who loves to bring new days into our life, new seasons into our life. Some of you right now, you're praying for a new day, a new season of life. And I believe that this God who can raise the dead can bring that new day into your life. Every one of us has experienced one of those days when we thought, when is this day ever going to be over? Have you ever had one of those days? Have you ever had one of those weeks? Have you ever had one of those months? Yes. Do you ever have one of those years? Yes. And here we are. <laughs> yes. Every one of us has experienced those times, those days, those seasons in life when we're thinking, when in the world is this going to be over? And we long for a new day. You see, I believe that we have this God who can bring that new, new day about. Matter of fact, I believe the new day that God wants to bring into your life is so much better than anything that you could imagine and anything that you could orchestrate for your life. I believe he's that powerful. I love what 2 Corinthians 5.15 says. It says that he included everyone in his death, everyone in Jesus' death, so that everyone could be included in his life. Then notice this line. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. You and I, every single day, we navigate life, don't we? That's part of life. We're just simply navigating life every single day. And we navigate three particular things. Number one, we navigate decisions. We make decisions all the time. You've made hundreds, if not thousands, of decisions that just led you to getting here at this point during the day. Matter of fact, you're going to leave here in just a few minutes. And whenever you walk out the doors, you're going to continue making decisions all day long. Some decisions that you may make today are decisions that you're completely unaware of right now. We make decisions all the time. We're constantly navigating the decisions of life. Not only are we navigating the decisions of life, we're constantly navigating the demands of life. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but sometimes life is hard. Anybody else notice that? Yes. Yeah. And, and the truth is, there are a lot of demands on our lives. A lot of demands. And there are some very, even unpredictable things that get thrown our way from time to time. But not only do we navigate uh, decisions and demands, we also have to navigate the detours of life. It's when our life is going in one direction, and all of a sudden we find ourselves going in a completely different direction. Life has a way of throwing curveballs at us. Again, I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but it does. And while we're navigating life, the, the question is, what kind of life are we living what kind of life are we really living? Are we just surviving life or are we thriving in life? And one of the ways in which we answer that is who do we depend on? As we're making decisions, as we're navigating the demands of life, as we're navigating detours in life, who do we depend on? Do we depend on ourselves or do we depend on someone greater than ourselves? Have you ever said, have you ever said, I don't know why I did that? Or have you ever said, I don't know why I said that? Or have you ever said, I don't know why I made that decision? Show of hands, anybody ever said that? Oh, good, it's universal. Good, good, good. Do you realize that God has never said any of those things? 
God, God has never said, I have no idea why I created that. I have no idea why I put that plan in place. And yet so many times as we're navigating life, as we're navigating life, the decisions, the demands, the detours of life, we actually trust ourselves more than the one who has never said, you know, I may have messed that up. The life that he wants to give us is a far better life than we could ever live, that we could ever script on our own. And the question is, what kind of life is this? What kind of life does Jesus offer us? In your notes, point number one is this, is that Jesus offers us a life. It's a life where we have forgiveness from our past. We have forgiveness from our past. Now, what I know about me and what I know about you is this, is that if you're sitting here, you have this thing, this category called the past. Everybody with me? This is really complicated. Are you with me here? You, you have this thing called a past. Now, in that category called the past, there is pain. There is pain. If you've lived a life for any amount of time, there is pain in the past, somewhere back there, right? Now, some of the pain that we experience in life, it's pain that we, if we're being honest, that we have brought on ourselves. Some of the pain that we've experienced in life is brought to us by other people. But, so, but, but not only that, not only that, not only is there pain back there in this place called the past, but, but there's, also, there, there's also regrets. For being honest, and we slow down for just a moment, we would say, back there, in that place called the past, we all have these things called regrets. Some of us live with them every day. Some of us are haunted by them every day. And the life that Jesus is offering us is a life where he deals with those regrets. He deals with what went on in the past. I believe that God can deal with it and he can heal it. Everything that happened back there. You see, you will live life either defining yourself by your mistakes or being defined by your maker. You will live life either defining yourself by your mistakes or being defined by your maker. I love what Romans 7, 6 says. It says we're free to live a new life in the freedom of God. Notice whose freedom it is. It's God's freedom. It's not our freedom. And we're free. We're set free to live a brand new life, to have a fresh start in life because of the freedom that God gives us. And this freedom, like I said, it's God's. We cannot manufacture it. We cannot produce it. We cannot earn it in any way. It's God's freedom, and he gives it to us. And we're either going to live life defining our life based off the regrets of the past and what happened back there, or we're going to be defined by the redemption of God and that work of redemption in our life here and now. And you see, whenever we are defined by God's redeeming love, in those moments when we're defined and we see ourselves in light of who God is, what God does is he redefines our life in light of who he is instead of us being defined by our past and our mistakes and the regrets we live with every day. But if you're here and you're remotely religious, okay, 
if you're remotely religious, so many times we hear this idea that, that God can take care of my past, God can forgive me, He can take care of the regrets and the pain and everything that's back there, but we still believe that maybe, just maybe, we can create this new day, create this fresh start in our life if we just become good enough. If we just do enough good things, if I just become a little bit better of a person, if I just maybe even follow God better, then, then surely I can usher in a new day and a fresh start in my life. Paul was writing about this, and we see the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 7, 18 and 19, it says the old system, the old system, the law, and the, the way of thinking about the law, the old system was canceled because it didn't work. It was weak and useless for saving people. It never made anyone really right with God. But now we have a far better hope. And that word hope is confident expectation. For Christ makes us acceptable to God. What Jesus has done and what we celebrate on this day, this Easter Sunday, that there was death, and there was a tomb, and then there was resurrection. What we celebrate on this day, Christ has made us acceptable to God. And he's made this available to us. You are an approved beneficiary or recipient of the grace and forgiveness of God. And he can give you a new start in life. 1 Timothy 2.6 says that he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Notice, he did the purchasing. We can't do it. We can't do it. He did it for us on our behalf. And I love what Paul says when he's talking about our old life. I love what he says in Romans 8, 13. He says, the best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. The best thing to do is just give that old life a decent burial and move on with the new life you have in Christ. And so the, the, the first thing I want to say about this life that Christ offers us, it, it's a life where he deals with our past. We have forgiveness for the regrets that we have back there. We don't have to carry those around anymore. The second thing, point number two, is this, is that Christ gives us a future with meaning. A future with meaning. This is so important. You know, God created the world to work in seasons and cycles. You may have noticed that, right? Like we're going into spring right now. And so all around us, we even think this way, right? We, we think about seasons and cycles. I mean, we don't call it the fall. We call it football season, right? I mean, we, we all know this. We all think this way. We plan this way. And, and you're either coming out of a season or going into a season, or maybe you're right in the middle of the season of life. The question is, is when you think about your life, when you think about your future, is there excitement? Is there expectation when you think about your future? Or is there fear and dread and uncertainty? Every one of us, I think, have to wrestle with that. Whenever I think about the future, is there excitement? Is there expectation? Do I know that God is up to something? That God is going to do something? That God is going to be with me? That God is going to watch over me and protect me? That God is going to be a part of that future? Or is there just fear and dread? I love what Colossians says in Colossians 3, 4. It says that Christ gives meaning to your life. And that word life means in every season of life, Christ gives meaning. 
And part of what part of the life that Christ wants to offer you is that it's a life where you have a future with meaning and purpose. You're not just wandering through life, just trying to make it, just trying to survive. He wants to give it meaning and purpose so that you can thrive. Now, right now, you may be struggling. The season of life you may be in may be a tough season. We've all gone through some tough seasons this past year. Amen? We all have. And you may still be in that season. And whenever we find ourselves in seasons when we're struggling, I think there's two things we have to do. These are not in your notes. I encourage you to write them down. The first thing is that we have to remember, remember something. We have to remember that the season we're in, as hard as it is, it's only a season. It's only a season. It will not last forever. It will not last forever. But here's the thing. Even though it's a tough season, a hard season of life, God is still at work in that season. Even if you can't see him, God is still at work. It's only a season. We have to remember, it's only a season. But God is still at work in that season. The second thing we have to do, we have, first we have to remember, second we have to refocus. We have to refocus our thinking. You see, God wants to give you a future with, a, with meaning, which means we have to learn how to train our mind to live present future, not present past. We, have to, we all live in the present, but we have to train our mind to think present future, and that future is good. God has promised that, that it will be good. It will have meaning. It will have purpose. And we have to train ourselves to think present future, not live present past, because he's already dealt with our past already dealt with it. That's why Paul said in Philippians, he says, I forget what is behind, I press forward to what is ahead. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 in your notes. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, that is what this day is all about. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. We have everything to live for as we move forward in life. Notice what he says. Including a future in heaven. And the future starts when? It starts now. In the present. What Paul and Peter both are saying is that we have to learn to live present future lives knowing that God has the future in his hands and that future that you're going to live, that you're going to walk into tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. It is good because God is there. And he's going to give it meaning and he's going to give it purpose. God still has a plan for you. Oh, he still has a plan for you. God is still at work in your life, even if you don't see him. Sometimes we see God's uh, visible hand. Let me put it this way. Think word, the word power. Sometimes we see God's visible hand moving and we just know that's God. Only God could do that. Sometimes it's God's invisible hand that's moving. Think of the word providence. It's where God is working behind the scenes. But whether it's God's visible hand or God's invisible hand at work, his promise still stands, and he wants to give you a future and a future with hope and meaning. Everybody with me here? Does this make sense? So the first thing is that Jesus, this life that he's offering, he wants to deal with what's back there, deal with the past, but he also wants to give you a future with meaning. The third thing is this is this life that Jesus is talking about, the life that Jesus offers, this resurrection life, it's only found in one place. It's only found in Christ. Only in Christ. If we're being honest, can we be honest for a moment? 
if we're being honest, so many times we look for a new life, a fresh start, a new beginning. We look for that any and everywhere but Christ, if we're being honest. We look for it any and everywhere but Christ. But 1 Corinthians 15.22 says everybody, everybody, this is available to everybody, everybody comes alive in Christ and in Him alone. It's only found in Him. Jesus is the one that can take care of your past. He can deal with it. He can heal it. And He's the one that can give you a future with meaning. But it's only found in Him. You can search the world over, and many of us try, but it's only found in one place. Now, I have to be honest with you and say that there are competing views about this in life. I don't know if you know that or not. I was reading an article the other day in Psychology Today, and it said this. Here's a different view. There is no sign of a higher creative force in the universe. Fortunately, we ourselves have evolved to process creative powers. Humans have evolved to be highly purpose-driven, and we are well-equipped well equipped to find or rather make meaning in the world. Some people search for meaning and they think, well, I can do that on my own. I can manufacture that on my own. I can create that on my own. I can bring that into being on my own. Some people go a different route. Like the philosopher Joseph Campbell who said, life has no meaning. Each of us has meaning and we bring it to life. It is a waste to be asking the question when you are the answer. That's another route. One route is that we create meaning in life. One route is that we are personally the meaning of life. I'm sorry, but I disagree. I think if you're looking for meaning in life, if you're looking for purpose in life, there's only one person that can bring that about. It's the person who said in John 10, 10, I came so that you could have real and eternal life, a better life than you ever dreamed of. I believe there's only one person that can give you a better life than you've ever dreamed of. And his name is Jesus Christ. Only one. Only one. And every one of us, every day, we have to settle this issue in our heart. As we get up and as we approach the day, we have to think, who am I going to look to for ultimate meaning and purpose? Who's going to deal with my past? Is that left to me? Who is going to be a part of my future? Every one of us have to ask that question. And I'm here to tell you, as far as I can see it, standing here today, I believe that that is only found in Jesus Christ. The question is, what does it look like? As you move forward in life and you say, okay, Chris, I, I, see, I, I see that, I see that. That in Jesus Christ, he can deal with my past and he can give me a future with meaning and purpose. What is that going to look like? Romans 8.29 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. I believe everything that the son 
has, all the peace, all the love, all of who he is, God wants to pour that into you and so that you reflect him. And moving forward in this way, living this kind of life where my past is dealt with, I have a future with meaning, and all of that is found in Christ, is that I begin to look more and more like him. You see, we're going to spend our lives either being molded into the image of the maker, the creator, or either being molded into the image of God, or we're going to spend our lives trying to mold God into our image. Those are the two routes, and we're going to choose one. And that's what it looks like, ultimately. That in Christ, our past is dealt with. We have a future with meaning. And then that future means we begin to look more and more like him. The one who more books have been written about, more songs have been sung about than anyone else in human history. Now, you may be sitting here and you may say, Chris, all that sounds really good. And I got dressed up and I came to church on Easter. But I'm not sure that's me. A couple of years ago, I found myself in northern England. Don't worry, it wasn't by accident. But, <laughs> and one afternoon, I was having dinner, and I was talking to a football player. And by football, I mean fake football. It was soccer. And so, <laughs> if you're a soccer fan, I was just joking, just joking, just joking. He was a professional football player, and he had just lost a teammate earlier that week in a car wreck. And they had just had a game that day, and we were talking, and we were talking about life and meaning in life. And he had a lot of questions. And one of the things he said to me, he said, Vicar? He didn't call me pastor, he called me Vicar, which is really cool. Anyway, um, he said, Vicar, all that sounds really good about God, meaning and things like that. He said, but even if that's true, you don't know me. I'm too far gone. And some of you may be thinking that today. You may say, oh, this is really nice, the great music and the pastel colors and flowers and all that good stuff, but I'm too far gone. I would say to you what I said to that football player, and that is that God specializes in people who think they're too far gone. Luke chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus said, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. I'm inviting outsiders into what I'm doing. And it's an invitation to a changed life, changed from the inside out. That's what Jesus does. And so if you're here today and you think, or you're watching online or on television, and you think, I'm too far gone. I'm here to tell you, you're not. And I'm here to tell you that God can bring the dawning of a new day. He can give you a brand new life, a fresh start in life. He can deal with your past. He can give you a future with meaning, but it's only found in Him. And if you'll give your life to Him, I promise you, He will radically change it forever. You may notice in the back of the pew in front of you, there are these little connect cards. Some of you have already pulled them out and started drawing on them. I know, it's okay. <laughs> The red side is where we can, you can give us some information if you want us to get in touch with you. But I want you to look at the blue side if you have one of those in front of you. You can go ahead and pick it up. Don't be afraid. It's just a piece of paper. On that blue side, it says next steps. One of the things that's very important to us around here is that we constantly keep before us what is the next step God wants me to take. For some of you, it may be to accept Christ as your Savior today. You can do that today. For some of you, you may be ready to be 
baptized and publicly profess that or learn about joining a community, a church, becoming a member or getting in a group with other people who are going through navigating life or maybe serving in some way or there may be a whole other reason that God has put on your heart. Whatever that is, I want to encourage you, even if you don't fill out the card, to wrestle with the question, what is your next step? What is it that you need to do? What step can you take toward God as he is bringing and starting a new day, a new season in your life? What is that? Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you because you are so good. And Lord, we try all the time to do things over, to start new. But Lord, only you can bring it about. For those of us who are in the room, especially those who feel like we're too far away from you, Lord, I pray that we would feel your love like never before. Lord, for those of us who maybe have become laxed in our faith, I pray that you would rekindle that fire like never before. And Lord, I pray that you would give each of us the resolve to step into the new day that you are offering each and every one of us. Let this not just be another Easter service. But Lord, may we step into the new day you were given. And for that day, we say thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' good and powerful name, amen.